The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narconon Suncoast. So hello, Jason. Hello, Joni. Here we are remotely because you're with your babies. I am with my babies and you might hear crying in the background, but that's how it goes. <laughs> and um, and we uh, all survived the storm and we're up and running again, like I let everyone know last week at the end of the podcast. Um, is that we are fully functional. So please, if anyone's listening, don't be shy. Give us a call if you need help. There you go. And um, today I wanted to bring up a interesting topic of discussion. And I'm sure you're going to have your opinions. Okay. <laughs> and so I thought I'm just going to go for the jugular on this one. So there are a group of people just in the world, in other countries and, and in the United States, that think they have the answer to the opiate problem and the drug problem in general. Okay. Do you know? Do you think you know what that is? Is it that narco stuff that you take? No, it's not, it's not Narcan. It's not Narcan? Okay. This is more of a, a societal action. Basically, there's people out there that think the answer to the drug problem is just make all drugs legal. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> and um, I've got mixed feelings on that you've got okay basically in my opinion what we've done so far it doesn't seem to be working too well because if you want to backtrack to nancy and ronald reagan's war on drugs in the 80s right um after they declared the quote-unquote war on drugs drug use went up (laughs) and crimes went up and and people like went the opposite direction the same thing happened i think after uh, President Nixon said, you know, that famous line is the number one enemy is drugs or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so ever since the war on drugs in the 80s, we've been constantly fighting this thing, right? Right. And fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. Like with everything we got, we we're throwing money at it. We're making, you know, these new medications and the new medications are proving to be a problem. Then you've got, you know, certain rehab modalities that work and certain rehab modalities that don't. And you've got people throwing religion into it and non-religion into it um, and wilderness therapy, wilderness therapies and rubbing sticks <laughs> together. And the problem that I'm seeing is that we're not, we're not getting a grip on this because every day and I look at the news and I turn on my news feeds and I look through Facebook and I look through the different groups um, that I, uh, that I'm a part of. And every day it's like mass overdoses here, mass casualties over here, you know, five million uh, lethal doses of fentanyl found in New Jersey. You've got, you know, 300 people dead in one, uh, 300 people overdosed in one day in, um, uh, not one day, in a few months in Ohio. You just got, the problem is just, it's growing still. It's not getting any better. Um, And lately, you know, a lot of the students that come through Narconon have the same story, and it's really strange that all of a sudden we're getting this influx of people that all became heroin addicts after they were kids and got put on Vicodin for uh, one person that had their tonsils removed, another person had wisdom teeth removed, uh, another person had sports uh, surgery. You know, they, they all said, like, I had no idea what was going to happen after my mom gave me that first pill. And that made my stomach hurt because it's like, they 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 link the beginning of their addiction to a pill that the doctor prescribed and that their mom doled out to them. Right. Now, how do you think that mom feels now in retrospect? You know what I mean? Like I couldn't imagine that. Um, and so the 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 pill epidemic 
it's still strong. I mean, people are still very, very much addicted and taking and abusing prescription drugs. And, you know, I just wrote a blog not that long ago about how there was this huge expose on this pharmaceutical company that was been accused of bribing doctors to overprescribe fentanyl. And so it's like when I see stories like that and I see constant stories like that, my brain goes, well, this isn't getting better. And um, so there's a group of people and there's actually a discussion that's happening. And it's like, should we just like decriminalize everything? And there's one example that people cite right now, or at least two examples they cite as a a success with doing this. Uh, And that's the country of Portugal. So in 2001 – Portugal had a major heroin problem and a major drug problem altogether. So they said, you know, we're just going to like make everything legal and see how that goes. Uh, and, and interestingly enough, a lot of statistics turn around. Um, Interesting. They also, they also had a problem with uh, age-related deaths and you know stuff like this. And so, you know, the whole thing turned around and they saw crime go down. They saw drug use go down. They saw overdoses go down. I was like, uh, okay. Um. Well, you know, and I, and I think that's a weird correlation, don't you? The thing is, I think that I think to some degree, I can see why it might work. Why is that? Well, because there is a lot, I think, I don't know, you know, I wonder somehow much the part of the part of it that is teenage rebellion that I just right. want to do it because it's illegal and because it's exciting to see if I can do this and not get caught. So there's that aspect, but then there's the people who are addicted and if they can just go in and buy it, I don't know. I don't know. It's like you hear of drug addicts knocking over a liquor store for the money in the cash register, but you never really hear of an alcoholic robbing a liquor store for alcohol. Right. So that's like, it's kind of a weird thing. Same thing with with pot. I mean, I don't know many people that were so strung out on pot that they robbed a pot shop for their pot and not their money. Most people that seem to rob pot stores not only steal the pot to resell it, but you know, also steal all like the pipes and bongs and stupid stuff. Um, So I don't know. It's a it's interesting because this is like when I when I said in the podcast before, I was like, we need to think outside the box. I don't know if this is necessarily what I was talking about, but (laughs) this thing kind of took on a mind of its own. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't think that's what you meant, but that's fine. No, that's not what I meant about. because I have real mixed feelings about that because my personal belief is I think that the people that are like, let's just decriminalize everything have like a Darwinian thought process when it comes to this. So they're like, well, okay. So the people that just can't handle their drugs are going to overdose and die. And that will just leave the people that either don't use drugs or aren't addicted to them, but can use them recreationally some somehow successfully. Right. Like a guy can go to the Coke shop on the weekends and get a couple bags of Coke for the weekend, and then on Monday he goes to work and everything's fine. You know what I mean? Yep. I don't. I, that's the only thing I can think of. Um, aside from the fact that the, the in Portugal the decriminal decriminalization was just on like small quantities, like personal usage quantities of drugs. So it wasn't like. You know, a person got busted with 17 kilos and it was no big deal. Right. Uh, they decriminalized like small amounts of it. The other thing is, is that if you were caught with in Portugal with a small amount of drugs for your personal use, uh, they wouldn't arrest you. They wouldn't arrest you. It was just decriminalized. Instead, they would link you up with like social workers and counselors and possibly, you know, get you help somewhere. Right. And that I kind of, I don't know, I kind of like that idea of, 
I don't. The thing I know about jail is like when a drug addict is brought to jail, they it's usually because they either got caught in possession of the drug or they did some sort of criminal activity to get their drugs. Right. And right. so they go to jail, but nothing's done to handle their addiction because the 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 thought process is you know you just punish them, you lock them up, and they have to serve their time, and then then they go and well we will. We know they'll be back. I've seen Altina over here 17 times in the last year. It's like, but that's 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 not cool. I don't think that's a very good thing to do necessarily because most of these criminals wouldn't be criminals had it not been for their addiction. Right. So I, I get kind of torn about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I, I mean, there's a lot of good people out there that are strung out on drugs and they – you know, stole a little bit of money out of a register at work or they, you know, they got caught with, you know, the residue in a baggie of, you know, heroin that they forgot to throw away or something. And then they're in jail instead of in rehab. And I think that's unfortunate. Yeah. You know, it's really a tough thing. I can kind of see, I can see both sides of it. Yeah. But I think that, um, you know, the whole point with drug addiction is that it's it's a solution for a problem. Right. I'm not sure that that addresses the problem. What, jail or decriminalizing? Decriminalizing. It, it, it doesn't. In, in, a, in of itself, it absolutely doesn't. I, I'm looking at it more like, okay, would I rather people go to jail or go to rehab? Like, I think that people are going to get arrested because of a drug-related offense they should be forced into rehab. Well, I don't disagree with that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you decriminalize it. It just means that in, instead of jail, you instead say you're going to go to rehab. Right. True. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing. That is, I think it's, it makes for interesting discussion because, you know, you on the, on the flip side of this, you've got the people that are like, no, why would you ever make it easier for people to use drugs? Because they're they're using it regardless of the fact that it's completely illegal, and people are using it regardless of the fact that on any given day an addict might be holding on to a specific amount of a drug that can give them a life sentence, but they still use. Right. And so, like, how would we make it easier for them to keep using? I mean, just look at all the problems that are being caused with it being you know illegal. Why would we ever make it easier? Um, and right now, I know that Oregon has it on a bill that they're looking to do this like decriminalization on uh, – get this – cocaine, heroin, and LSD. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, and they're making it a non-criminal offense to, uh, to have – they're making it a non-criminal offense to have possession of a small amount of the drug. Um, and what they'll do is like, I think the same thing they do in Portugal is that they'll link you up with counselors or treatment or, or, or whatever. And I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't I, either. I don't either. It's an interesting discussion. Definitely. It is. I mean, and we've got this, and we've got this debate going on in the country right now because I think Oregon has it on the bill and I think one or two other States might. Um, but I definitely know that there's this huge push for abolishing the, uh, the prohibition on marijuana, like on a countrywide level. Oh yeah, I know. I mean, they're trying, I mean, they, I think we're closer than ever to that right now is, is the thing is like now more than ever, we're closer to like marijuana being completely fully, 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 fully legal, 
which freaks me out. Yep. Because every time I hear a story about one of those like creepy little gummy bears making it out of Colorado and into a kid's lunchbox in Tennessee, and then the kid you know, goes to school and eats it with this little sly look on his face, like no one knows I'm smoking weed. Um, and then he gets way too high and gets rushed to the hospital. Yeah. Not or a good thing. There was, uh, I think there's a story I read of a kid baked pop brownies and gave them to the whole class, including the teacher. Wow. Like, that's, I mean, that's where we get to now. Or they got pop brownies or got something. It was, it was a weird story. But, like, I don't like the idea of fully legalizing it because the legalization of marijuana has already been a problem. Right. In all the states. Right, right, right now, I think it's fully legal in Alaska, Colorado, Oregon, and Washington. Right. And there's been a ton of problems. Um, like crime has, and on top of that, crime hasn't fallen. Um, traffic accidents or traffic-related offenses haven't fallen. Like no goods necessarily come out of it, except the states see like, oh, well, we have all this taxable, you know, all this taxable um, stuff that we're selling. And, it's, and these states are raking in like billions of dollars a year on taxes uh, generated from pot, pot sales. Right. It's funny because the black market from I don't, the black market for marijuana hasn't even gone away. Now, what? The, why would that still be there? I don't know. I don't get that. Who's going to go to some like street dealer where you can like go to the corner weed store? Exactly. What's the point? I don't understand it. But you know, right now, like I said, I think we're grasping at straws here because I think like the realistic thing is like we don't know what to do. You think? We we just don't. I mean, we don't. And we don't. No one has a solution. Some people think they have a solution, and other people don't like that solution. And those people have a solution, but other people don't like that solution. It's like we all can't just come to some sort of common agreement about how to deal with this thing. And I keep thinking to myself, why not just make every rehab a narcanon? <laughs> make every rehab a narcanon, because then I think we would have a better shot at handling this thing. Because at least I know I see people come through the narcanon and really do well. And go back to a normal life, you know. Well, I that's think, definitely I think, a solution. I mean, we already know that that's a solution because we know Narcanon's a program that works. Yeah, you know. Um, I just wish there was one in every state. Yeah, I mean, me too. In every city, for that matter, every business. and I wish the government would pay for it. Yeah, yeah. But they won't. We can't get government funding, which is fine. I mean, we, we've got to kind of like do what we got to do with the people that we have. And that was, and that's what makes a difference. Um, right. Too many times I, I, I'm getting sick of the idea that people think they can take a drug to handle a drug problem because drugs aren't a solution to drugs. Of course and I keep, and I keep, you know, talking to people. They're like, well, yeah, I mean, I've got a problem, but you know, I got to a doctor, they gave me suboxone. And so it's going to be fine. And I'm like, no, it's not going to be fine. Suboxone is not a, a, a miracle cure for opiate addiction. If it was, there wouldn't be rehabs. Right. If so, if this, if Suboxone just fixed it, one, there wouldn't be rehabs, and two, a person wouldn't relapse if they came off Suboxone because, okay, so to say something's a cure, you're implying that by saying the word cure that a quote-unquote disease or condition or whatever has been handled killed or eradicated right right okay 
if if that's true, how come when a person comes off Suboxone with no other treatment, they relapse most of the time? Right. There's not a cure at all. I mean, I, I don't. I, I. It's just. It's not. And it's a. It's a. It's a dumb illogic because it's completely illogical to think that okay, I have a drug problem, so the answer is more drugs. It makes no sense whatsoever. So it's like you kind of want to talk to people who dispense it and say, "What are you thinking?" Right. People don't realize that. One, you can get very high on Suboxone. One of the highest I've ever been in my life was before I was an opiate addict, and I took two milligrams of Suboxone. I was floored for about 18 hours. Wow. Like, I remember I was watching Lord of the Rings with my girlfriend at the time, and I, I was I was unconscious most <laughs> for most of it. And it was very, very strange. And, but people, some people out there are like, whoa, Suboxone, yeah, it's an opiate, but it doesn't get you high. I'm like, no, no, no. Oh, don't tell me it doesn't get you high. It's not a personal experience. It tells you it gets you very high um, if you don't have an opiate tolerance already. And there's also, you know, uh, Suboxone used to come in this little, like, stop sign-shaped orange pill. And then they changed it to, like, a sublingual film. And what people are doing are, like, they, they melt it down and shoot it up. And they get and they get loaded. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it's like, how, how can you say this is some sort of cure? It doesn't handle the underlying reasons you have an addiction. It doesn't handle... The problems that you face and it doesn't really give you the ability to handle anything because there's people I'll talk to on the phone they're like yeah I'm sober I'm on box. I'm like then why do you sound like you're high why do you sound like you're on something and they're like I don't I I don't sound like I'm on anything I'm like I, oh yes I do uh, and the thing is is like I think it's just another way to put money into the pockets of big pharma because that's essentially who's creating this drug anyway, right? Right. Um, and you know, recently I wrote a blog article, kind of highlighting the problems that Suboxone actually causes people. And I looked it up. There's a there's a website called Drugs.com. It's a way you can look up literally any medication ever, right? And you go to Drugs.com, you plug it in, it tells you like everything you need to know about it. So I, I was like, I'm just really interested. I'm gonna look up Suboxone. One of the biggest problems or one of the biggest side effects is physical and, and mental dependence. Great. Okay, wait a minute. Hold on a second. So you're telling me that one of the, one of the biggest side effects of this medication I'm taking for my opiate addiction is, is addiction. Right. That's like, that's like saying like the number one – that's like the thing with antidepressants. That one of the biggest side effects of antidepressants is severe, de- <laughs> severe depression. Yeah, suicidal tendencies. Or suic- yeah, or suicidal tendencies. It's like, y'all got to give me a break here. Like we got to stop throwing drugs at the problems. That's certainly not working. Um, the other thing is uh, is methadone is just really, really rough. But, you know, you're seeing a lot – I'm seeing a lot less of it these days. Really? Um, yeah. You know, between the two – you see, or between the three, because of, there's the Vivitrol injection, which people are like, no, this is it. The, if I can't get high on opiates, I'm going to be totally fine. I'm like, yeah, until the first time you try meth. Right. Or the first time you try any other drug that's not an opiate and it takes the edge off for you. Right. Um, and so between the three, like the thing I see the most still uh, is Suboxone followed by Vivitrol and methadone, it's funny. It's it's still out there, and people are still on it, but I'm seeing less of it. And the, the thing is, it's like it's easier to like go to a Suboxone doctor. And, and although, oh, by the way, to be a Suboxone doctor, you take a weekend course, and then they give you a special DEA number. Are you serious? I am. You don't have to go to medical school. Well, you have to be a doctor. Oh, you have to be a doctor. Okay. 
You have to be a physician, but to get, but in order to prescribe Suboxone, you need a special DEA number for your prescriptions. Okay. And to get that number, you take like a little weekend, you know, little weekend seminar. Great. And, um, you know, the thing about Suboxone is this. It was designed as a detox drug. It was designed to like be given at a medical detox. Like you go into the medical detox, they put you on Suboxone, taper you off so you don't have to confront like the horrible withdrawals from your heroin or your opiate problem. And that's literally all it was supposed to be for. And then doctors, I think, and this is just total conjecture, um, is that they're like, well, we can make a ton more money if we just keep people on it. Follow the money. Yeah, we tell we tell people, you know, the longer a person is on medical med, med, medicine-assisted therapy, you know, the better the chances of sobriety are. It's like, wait, they're not sober. They're, they're not clean. They're, on, they're, on, they're, on, they're still on drugs. Right, they're just, right. They're on, they're on the ones given by the sh- given at the uh, the friendly farm by the friendly pharmacist instead of the guy at the street corner. You know, right and. and you know, Suboxone is a lot easier for people. It's like I said, you can go to a Suboxone doctor, get your script for the month and go home instead of like going to a methadone clinic every morning. So you're seeing a lot of people just get on Suboxone and they don't realize that as soon as they get off it, they're going to relapse unless they get off it and go to rehab. Right. Because again, I have to really kind of, you know, punch through the idea that you know rehab is the solution to everything obviously the number one thing is prevention you try to prevent it you educate people on drugs if you can't prevent it it already happens the treatment's the best option and you know no drug is going to handle the real reason you use drugs and no drug is going to handle your underlying issues and no drug is going to help you through your traumas that you've been through and and none of that because You take the drugs away and all that stuff is still there. That's right. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like you can legalize it, but until we find, you know, address the problems that are putting people on drugs in the first place or getting people to start on it, we're, we're, we're not going to solve the problem. You know what I think one of the biggest solutions to this drug problem is? What's that? You have to stop fighting it. And when I say stop, stop fighting? When I say stop fighting it, it's like, Stop all these change, putting all these changes out there. Stop making this illegal, then making this legal, then then putting this medication out there, putting that medication out there. It's like part of the human condition is the fact that we don't like to feel pain, right? right? And so drugs become a really quick, easy solution to any kind of pain that we're experiencing, whether it be mental or emotional or physical. And I think that I think people are drawn to drugs because they know of that and they, and you know, people like a quick fix. They like instant gratification and they want to feel better and they want to feel better now. And this drug promises to do that. So I'm going to do that just to take the edge off. Right. You know, I've said this before, you know, humans are pleasure seekers. I think it's almost like built into us that we have the possibility of becoming addicted. And the thing is most other animals do. I mean, they show addiction happening in lab rats. You know what I mean? Right. And so, I think we have to just stop actually fighting the problem with the drugs themselves and start fighting the problem by just making treatment available to everybody, not just people that can foot the bill, not just the people whose turn it is on the ever-growing waiting list for you know a free or state-funded facility, but we need to make quality, good treatment available to literally anybody that needs it, regardless of how much money they have or how little money they have, 
And that's how we're going to get through this thing. It's something to try. I don't know. You'd have to see if, if Narconon were a free program, if it would produce the same results as it does now. I don't know. I, I think I'm going to go call a meeting with Trump. What do you think? Go for it. I actually dreamt <laughs> that I, I met him. So there you go. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. It seems like nothing else is working. So why, why not try that? Before we start making all drugs legal... I think maybe we should try a different approach. Like, yeah, make like, rehab affordable or make it covered by insurance no matter what. Oh, yeah. We just keep trying to fight the drugs themselves. Right. I don't right. think we should fight the drugs themselves anymore. I think that's obviously proving not to work. I think what we have to – and I think we should keep everything illegal. I don't think we should make it easier for people to get you know hit their hands on drugs or to just get a slap on the wrist and never get help. Right. I think that – what has to happen is that you know, people can only get better who want it. Like that's the misconception that people – that's one of the misconceptions people have about interventions. It's like people think an intervention is forcing someone against their will into rehab. And some interventions are done like that. Yeah, but that's never going to work. No. That's never going to work. You know, the intervent – a real intervention – is not done where you know you give someone no options and they're you basically force their hand and they go to rehab. And a real intervention isn't you know the whole family sitting around in a circle singing kumbaya and reading letters to the addict and you know making them feel bad and then they decide to get help. Like a real, a real intervention is done one on one with somebody. Right. And the right. sole purpose of an intervention is so that the interventionist can like. They can be a neutral party that's not emotionally attached to the situation. Um, take the addict away from everybody and just exactly. get in communication with them and, and let them let them tell the interventionist what's going on. Let them tell the interventionist what their considerations uh, against going to treatment are, and and have the interventionist just really, like I said, get in communication with the guy or the girl and talk to them and work them up to the point where they're willing for help. Right. There's no like we're gonna we're gonna turn you over to the police. We're gonna kick you out. We're gonna do all these things. You know, it's like let the, inter- the threats only go so far with an addict. And a lot of times the addict's like, "You're gonna kick me out? Okay, bye." <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. It doesn't, work, it doesn't work really well. At least not that I have seen. I mean, that's what I would have done. So you know, I, I I know I'm probably beating a dead horse at this point with talking about the fact that I don't agree with you know, Matt or uh, medicine assisted treatment, but I, you know, I'm not a supporter of it because I've never seen it work for someone as the sole, as the sole attempt to get them clean. Like I, I don't disagree with using Suboxone maybe as a detox drug for three days, get off it and then go into your rehab modality and go into your treatment and actually, you know, work towards getting to the bottom right. of your addiction. But you know, Suboxone, Methadone, Vivitrol, any of that can't be like a cure-all. It can't be the only thing that a person does to get clean because in of itself, it's not a solution and it doesn't work. Um, you know, but it's the easiest thing to do. That's the thing. It's very, very easy right. for a person just to say, well, I'm just going to pop a pill and just go about my life. And you know what? I wish it worked that way. I could really do. But it, it, it doesn't. You know, there's so many people, especially that come through Narconon, that will say, you know, man, if I knew then what I knew now, what I know now, I would never would have taken Suboxone. I never would have taken methadone. Um, right. Because not only, you know, is it not a solution, but the withdrawals 
from Suboxone and Methadone are 10 million times worse than a withdrawal from a really heavy, you know, opiate habit. They're worse. And why is that, Jason? Why is that? Why is it so so much worse? Well, because Suboxone and Methadone, they have long half-lives. So it means it, it takes a long time um, for half the uh, substance to uh, leave the body. Okay. I missed. I missed part of that. Say that. Say that one more time. The reason uh, Suboxone and Methadone, why the withdrawal is harder and longer than you know traditional opiates or heroin or whatever, is because they have long half lives. So it takes a long time for the drug to break down and leave, or half the drug to break down and leave the body. So because it has such a long half life, you end up having what's called a protracted withdrawal, which means it's a withdrawal that lasts and lasts and lasts and lasts. And um, it's it's a pretty intense withdrawal. It's not very comfortable. And some people, you know, I've heard stories have been kicking, you know, a suboxone habit for two months before they start feeling better. Methadone, wow. not only does it have long half-life, but methadone actually gets, it gets into the bones and it gets into the different systems and organs of the body. And so it's actually physically painful to come off methadone as well as the fact that it takes a long time because methadone is a long-acting drug. And so, you know, we'll have people on the withdrawal step of, of the Narcodon program for weeks, you know, getting them landed down off methadone or suboxone. And, I mean, so, sometimes they're going through it and they don't feel good. And uh, that's when they say, you know what, this is worse than heroin. I say, I know. And the doctors don't tell you that. Right. You know, the, the, uh, the clinics don't tell you that. It's unfortunate that it's just gone to the point where it's a money making scheme, right? And and that's sad. So how long does it, how long does it how long does it take to withdraw off of heroin? Heroin, you're looking at about five to maybe five to ten days, and you know. Okay, and then com- compare that with methadone and suboxone. Three weeks to a month or two. Okay, I, and, uh, and the reason why I'm asking you those questions is because I want to make it clear. To anybody that's listening, I don't know if we have any addicts who actually listen or if it's just, you know, parents and loved ones of addicts. But if you're an addict and you're listening, so would you rather be in pain for maybe five to 10 days or would you rather be in pain for weeks and weeks? It's like if you think Suboxone is a solution, you're dreaming. It's not. It's just an actual worse synthetic half-life drug that's going to affect more systems in your body. That's not a solution, guys. I mean, you know, wake up. But here's the thing. You know, the the U.S., we're the land of the quick fix. We love anything that's going to help us right now. And all those things that offer a quick fix have really terrible consequences. You can't have a quick fix without consequences because there is no such thing as a quick fix for addiction because, you know, it takes a while to form an addiction and it takes a while to undo it. You, can't, you know, anything okay, so, that promises to help you overnight is, is a crock, you know, to so be honest. So there's another really good point. You don't become addicted overnight. You're not going to become clean overnight. There is no quick fix and there is no solution to full withdrawal, full detox, and even more fully confronting the problems that led you into addiction in the first place. That's not going to happen overnight. If you think it's going to happen overnight, you you know, once again, you're just dreaming. Yeah, it's it's, it's impossible for it to, but that's what Suboxone and Methadone, you know, offer people. They offer a quick fix to their addiction. 
they offer them a cure overnight because they take place. They, you know, they take effect immediately, and they're sold to people as like you don't have to go to rehab. You don't have to go. You know, just take the just take your meds and you'll be fine. And it's like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, like, and it it doesn't work, guys. It doesn't work. If you're out there thinking you're going to do this as a as a you know as a one one shot cure, it's not going to work. I'm going to tell you that right now. See, it's wanting the quick it's wanting the quick fix that gets people into addiction in the first place. Yep. You know, Jason. One of the things you you mentioned earlier in the podcast, and you know, I. I can understand, you know, we look at this whole problem of addiction, we look at the whole opioid crisis, and we go, what are we going to do? You know, we started off this podcast, you know, should we legalize it? Would that would that make it a, the problem go away? Should we not legalize it? Here's my here's my real thought on it, is that I think that the the main way, other than what you and I are doing, and we're part of this as well, the main thing I think we have to do is educate people. Absolutely. I think we have to... Educate kids. I think we have to educate parents. I think we have to educate addicts. We have to educate doctors. We have to educate those who would like to help addicts. You know, I think it's just a real constant education process. And it's not, unfortunately, you know, we can't get everybody in, you know, in, uh, I don't know, the Buccaneer Raymond James Stadium and <laughs> give them all a drug education lecture. So, we're gonna oh, I'd love to, that. You know, we're going to kind of have to bit and piece it. I know. I would, too. You know, or I'd like President Trump to require, you know, honest to God, um, drug education. You know, either the materials you guys use, the materials from Drug Free World, but, yep. you know, honest to goodness education materials. You know, one of the things you mentioned, you mentioned the war about drugs. I think that was Nancy Reagan who said, oh, we'll just say no. Right. And, you know, it, that's not enough. You have to explain to kids why not. Why not do drugs? You know, why, why is that not a good solution? Because I believe that if you educate children they are smart and they will make good choices if you can if you educate them with true information if you don't just be dogmatic about it but you use um, documentaries like the truth about drugs and and you you get you know you get them to actually see an addict who says listen you know everything you think that you will never do lie cheat steal hurt the people who love you everything you think you will never do you will on drugs so do you want to go down that road is that where you want to go and i believe that if kids are educated properly they will make the right choice i really do absolutely and uh you know just to clarify something i said before i think i said that it was nixon that said you know um, drugs are public enemy number one, and the war on drugs came from the Reagan administration, but it's actually the war on drugs came from the Nixon administration, and you're right, Nancy Reagan coined the Just Say No campaign. And um, Right. I-, I wish it was that easy. Oh, just say no. Okay. I wish. I wish. No. I really wish no. it was. Um, but no, but you have to explain to kids why. You right, know, exactly. One of the biggest questions you get from a four or five-year-old is why. Right. Why does that happen? Why is this the case? And it has to start with parents, you know, and it, then it has to be in the schools. I'm sorry. We need to have drug education in the schools. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, we had these ridiculous videos about reefers, you know, but... 
there was there was no true information there. I'll tell because I tell you, Jason, I've said this before on the podcast. When I read an article or heard on the radio or whatever that if you took LSD, you could have deformed babies, I went, "Why would I do that? Right? Why would I want to run that risk?" That was that was information to me that hit me, and I went, "Okay, well, I'm not going to do LSD. I don't want to have deformed or retarded babies. I don't want that." Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I, I believe that young people, if they're given the true information and they actually, you know, can ask the hard questions and not get sloughed off, but get real answers, I think that's the solution. I really do. And partially that's what we do on this podcast, Jason. I mean, we've got over 2,000 listeners, and I think that people are getting a lot of that true data from you especially and somewhat from me. So I think I think we're doing what we need to do basically. Absolutely. And like I said before, you know, the first step to preventing new addictions is to educate people about it. That's right. That's what I think. That's, and that's what, what we I do. Think the ultimate solution is. I mean, you have to continue doing rehab. We have to have more narconons because it's a rehab that actually works, but the other stopgap, if you will, is education. And, 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 you know, even people who are really well-educated, like college graduates or, or businessmen or politicians, they don't know, okay? They may think they know, but they don't know what these drugs do and how they manifest themselves right. and how addictive they are. They really don't because, frankly, if they did, there would be some differences in legislation, I think. You know, we've given definitely given people food for thought and probably create a little bit of controversy on should we legalize everything? Is that a solution? But I, I always come back to education, which is basically what we're doing with this podcast. Right. You know? So let's go ahead and wrap it up. And also I'd plug drugfreeworld.org where they can get the Truth About Drugs video. Oh, good. I think yeah, absolutely. All the materials from drugfreeworld.org is, are free. You know, and anybody listening, if you really want to educate children on the truth about drugs, go to drugfreeworld.org. You can get you can get teacher kits, you can get all the booklets, you can get the DVD, you can get all the gory details about drugs. And it's from people who have been there and done that. You know, it's not a doctor talking about, ooh, you shouldn't do this. It's not you know, a preacher or a minister or a counselor saying, oh, you shouldn't do drugs. No, these are people who've done it, who've sold it, who've, you know, gone down that path and can tell you all the details about it, kind of like Jason has done and the other people we've interviewed. Absolutely. And they have a great campaign and um, they're about, they're all about drug education. And I think anyone listening should definitely go to their website, get their materials and, you know, show it to your kids. Absolutely. And parents, you can start right now educating your kids on drugs and you have to do that. Okay? You have to do that. You have to be proactive about it. You cannot assume that because you know about the um, the bad things that can happen with drugs and you would never become a drug addict, you cannot assume that that just gets into your kids through osmosis. You have to have the tough conversation and you have to be willing to receive communication back on it from your children because it's going to come up. They're going to encounter it at school. They're going to encounter it out in life. And if they can't talk to you about it without you reacting to it, they won't talk to you about it. 
Exactly. And that's no good. And that's where we come in. <laughs> Help people right. talk that talk. Help people have that hard conversation. Because no one exactly. should have to go it alone. And then we can also nope. uh, give uh, Learn to Cope a plug here. That's uh, www.learn2cope.org for any families out there that need a support group and need to realize that they're not alone in the fight against addiction. That's right. And then if you know you have someone that's, that's addicted, you need help, you need intervention, you need rehab that works, then you go to narcanonsuncoast.org. That's right. Okay? And we're here. And there's... And there's the 877-339-3324 number. It's an anonymous call. You can talk to whoever answers the phone. You don't have to give your personal information, but they'll help you, you know? That's why we're here. And we'll continue to be here, Joni. We will. I'm in L.A. Next week I'll be in Orlando, so we'll still kind of be remote. But we're going to keep talking. And, Jason, you have a great rest of the week at Narconon. And we'll talk again on Monday. You got it. And enjoy the rest of your time in California. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard. 